Hi, this is Jimmy Evans with Marriage Today. This podcast is dedicated to equipping families with the teaching and tools they need to succeed. We hope you enjoy this episode and subscribe for more marriage building content. All of the authority the devil exercises in the world is illegitimate and can be stopped by believers. The Satan has no legitimate authority. Listen to Colossians chapter 2, and this is the Apostle Paul talking about the resurrection of Christ. Having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. Paul is reminding us here that when Jesus was raised from the dead, he took all power away from the devil. The devil has no power. The only authority the devil has is the authority that we let him have. The only authority the devil has is the, devil, the authority he's stolen from believers. He had, he's been disarmed, and not only has he been disarmed, Jesus made a public spectacle. When Jesus was resurrected, he took the devil and every demon in hell and paraded them through the heavenlies and said, this man has no more authority, he's a loser, and he's been assigned to hell. And every angel knows it, and every demon knows it, he just wants to bet that you don't know it. He has no authority over you. He has no authority. All of his authority that he has on the earth today is stolen and illegitimate, and we can stop it. This is Matthew 16. Listen, Jesus is about to repeat what he said in Matthew 18. Matthew 16, this is the first time the church is mentioned in the Bible. Also, and I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell... Hades shall not prevail against it, and I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Here we have Jesus repeat what he said, or actually this is the original statement here, it's then repeated in Matthew 18, and Jesus says this to Peter, now Peter, you said that I'm the Christ, the son of the living God, and upon that confession I'm gonna build my church, and I'm gonna give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you lock on earth will be locked. Whatever you unlock on earth will be unlocked. And by the way, they didn't have cars back then. A key was for one thing. That's a door or a gate. And Adam and Eve were the gatekeepers of the earth. The devil came, knocked on the door, tempted them. They opened the door. He came in, destroyed mankind. Jesus comes back and said, I'm re-delivering the keys of the earth to you, Peter, and to my church. And I'm telling you that if you want to unlock a gate of hell that the devil is using to hold people in darkness and destroy their lives, even the devil's gate cannot stand against my people and the key that I just handed you. I'm giving you the keys to the entire kingdom of heaven of good and evil. And whatever you want to lock and to bind and to disallow on this earth, so be it, I'll stand behind you. Whatever you want to allow and to loose, So be it, I'll stand behind you. But you have authority over all the power of the enemy and he cannot harm you as long as you're using the keys of binding and loosing and the authority that I'm giving you. Number one truth, all the authority the devil has is illegitimate and the church can stop it. Number two, the devil has no authority to harm believers. We have authority over him. You never have to fear the devil, he fears you. Jesus said, I give you authority over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means harm you. He has no right to harm you. And by the way, if the devil could kill us, we'd all be dead. He hates our guts. 
And the fact that he doesn't is, is just testimony of the fact he doesn't have authority unless we give him authority. Number three, truth in this regard, God will not do for us what he has given us the ability to do for ourselves. God has given us authority to live safely as his family, but we have to be the gatekeepers of, of our own lives. And I wanna talk about the gatekeeping responsibilities that we have in two ways, personal and as parents. Because there's two ways that we keep the gates of our lives, and there certainly is uh, national and, and other levels of this, but I wanna focus this on personal and family. I wanna talk about being the personal gatekeeper of your life. And to help you understand, there are seven gates into your life. Every, every person, there are seven gates that the devil or God will use to do good or bad things in your life. Let me go through these. There's the eye gate. Now we all know Jesus said that the eye is the lamp of the soul. And if the eye is good, the soul is full of light. If the eye is bad, how bad is that darkness? That's what Jesus said in Matthew 6. There's the ear gate. Jesus said in Mark 4, be careful what you hear. The ear gate is where words and music and sounds come in to our lives that can impact us in a huge way. And right now, I'm accessing your ear gate because you've come and offered it here in church. That's a good thing. So there's an ear gate. Number three is the mouth gate. The word spoken, food and drink consumed. And this, by the way, Proverbs 18:21 says, the power of life and death is in the mouth. This is the most disproportionate gate in our lives because what comes in and out of this gate will have more impact on our lives than almost anything else. Number four is the mind gate. Is we have a gateway into our minds. Beyond our eyes, ears, in a dark room, with our mouth closed, we can open our mind gate. And we can have imaginations, we can have deceptions, we can have you know, all different kinds of things, but our thoughts, our ideas, our imaginations and beliefs come through our minds and we control that gate. The spirit gate, this is faith or unbelief, submission, rebellion, what I'm gonna do spiritually in my life. And by the way, Jesus says in Revelation 3.20, behold, I stand at the door and knock. He's talking about the door of our spirits. If any man will hear my voice and open the door, I'll come in and dine with him and he with me. This is talking about the act of salvation. Jesus will not access the door of our life without our permission, because that's his nature. He recognizes us as the gatekeeper of our own spirit, and he says, my desire is to come into your life, but you'll have to open the gate for me to come in, okay? Our spirit gate. Number six, our flesh gate, and this is our sensuality, our sexuality, our physical needs, desires, and wants, both on a legitimate level and also on a sinful level, whichever door that we open. But our flesh is an entry point. Okay, number seven is our emotion gate. Emotions and attitudes and response to life and people and things like that. And so I decide everything that comes into my life through those seven gates. Listen, who you are today has been decided by you and what gate you opened. Your, your mom and dad didn't do it. God, didn't, God doesn't decide how you feel. God doesn't decide what you think. God doesn't decide where you put your eyes or your ears. Neither does the devil, neither do I. We all, we all are responsible for the gates of our lives. And everything in my life right now, I allow it to be there. And the things that are not in my life are not there because I disallowed them. Binding and loosing made me who I am right now, good or bad. And so when God gives us authority, and he said, I give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. The first responsibility that we have with that authority is to manage our lives and the seven gates of our lives. 
And I've got to understand where I put my eyes, where I put my ears, where I put my mind, where I put my mouth, where I put my spirit, my emotions, and everything else has a phenomenal impact upon my life and my safety in who I am. Ephesians chapter four, this is verses 26 and 27. The apostle Paul says, be angry, but don't sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Go ahead and be angry. God gets angry. Nothing wrong with anger. But don't sin in your anger and don't stew on it and let that become bitterness and unforgiveness by going to bed on it. So be angry, but don't sin. Don't let the sun go down in your anger or you'll give place to the devil. The word place is the word tapas in the Greek language and it just means location, foothold, a place in your life for the devil. The word devil there is diablos, which means slander. He's gonna come in through your anger that you didn't take control over. He's gonna use that as an opportunity to come in and accuse your wife, your husband, your parents, your friends, everyone that you have anger toward until he's destroyed relationships. Now I want you to listen to me for just a minute because this is something that I know is being a pastor for 32 years and a marriage guy who's helped a lot of people in marriages. That gate has destroyed millions and millions of lives and homes. How many couples have been destroyed by anger that they wouldn't forgive, that they wouldn't, they wouldn't talk it out, they, they justified unrighteous actions because they were anger? How many relationships have been broken? How many families have been destroyed? How many nations have been destroyed through that gate right there, through hatred, through bitterness? We, we are the keeper of our emotions. And the devil is looking for someone who will open a doorway of bitterness and unforgiveness so he can come in and do his work of slander so he can destroy our families and destroy our relationships and destroy our society. And this is what we see in the world today. And no one decides how I feel except for me. Life does not form me. My response to life forms me. And regardless of what you do, I make a decision of how I feel about that. And I can choose to love in the most difficult circumstance. And I can choose to hate in the best of circumstances. But I am the gatekeeper of my emotions. And so the devil constantly is going to try to access the gates in our lives. And as a responsible gatekeeper, it means I bind the devil by using my eyes. And I loose God to use, whenever you're reading the Bible, what you're doing is you've just loosed the Holy Spirit to work through your eyes to bless you. But when you put your eye on something bad, you've opened a door to the devil to come in and corrupt you. The same with your ears, the same with your mind. And so responsible binding and loosing, responsible gatekeeping keeps me personally safe. But the second responsibility of gatekeeping is parents. See, little children, we have to create, because they can't manage the gates of their lives, the purpose of parenting is to raise children in a safe environment where one day when they leave home, they, they, they have learned how to responsibly manage the gates of their lives. But let me talk about parents for just a minute. Parents are the gatekeepers of their homes and their children's lives. Let me say, everything in your home, you allow. Everything not in your home, you disallow. You're the gatekeeper of your home. God doesn't keep the gates of your home. The devil doesn't. Hopefully your children don't. All the devil needs is a careless gatekeeper to corrupt a child's life. He just wants some, a parent who doesn't understand that they're responsible for keeping the gates of their child's life. Let me talk about the five gates of a child's life 
that a parent must diligently keep watch over. And you're totally responsible for these five gates. Number one is the God gate. Is, it's my, the first responsibility of a parent is to lead your child to God. It, in fact, God put his image on Adam and Eve in Genesis 1 and then commanded them to multiply. They weren't, they weren't ready to multiply until they bore the image of God. The number one responsibility that I have as a parent is to lead my child into an understanding of who God is, the love of God, and the truth of God, so that at the earliest age possible, they receive Christ into their lives. And then from that point forward, we're discipling them in their faith. Okay, taking them to church, reading them the Bible, praying with them. The number one thing that I do is I watch the God gate of my child's life. And I think that every, every parent should raise their children in church. I'm preaching to the choir here, but I'm saying church is very important, the Bible, uh, godly disciplines in a child's life, that is the parent's responsibility. Number two gate in a child's life is the entertainment gate. And entertainment is cell phones, and, and I, I totally agree that children should not have a cell phone until very late in, I mean, high school or something like that. And so for safety purposes, you may have a cell phone in your home that doesn't belong to a child, and they're going somewhere and you hand it to them, and it's not a smartphone, it's just a dumb phone. It's just a phone that, that they, can, they can call you and they cannot access the internet because the internet's a powerful thing. But, but computers, did you know that 60% of parents say they do not have the time to monitor what their children view on the internet? You might as well hand your child a loaded gun. I want to say something to moms and dads. Now listen to me. You cannot give your child an electronic instrument that you can't monitor. And if your children are smarter than you, that's a problem. You know, and a lot of my two-year-old grandson comes and walks in the house and he jumps in my lap. Reed is his name. And he says, Pappy, I want to play on your phone. And my grandson reads, two and a half years old. He gets on my phone, and in a second, he's watching Thomas the Train on Netflix. And he, he's brilliant. I mean, these little kids are brilliant. And, and it's just, you have to stay up with that. And our, I, I was talking with Brent and Stephanie, our son and daughter-in-law, about this. And they said, it is more challenging all the time to make sure that the internet does not corrupt your children. But you, you can't do We have to monitor their entertainment. Social media, music videos, video games so critical that we monitor children's video games and things like that. There's never been a world like ours today where from an outside, someone can come inside our home that we would never allow through the front door, but they do it through, they do it through electronics. And so through phones, through social media and all of that, you have to monitor that. You have to become educated on that and get the resources and tool to monitor your child's entertainment. It takes vigilance. Uh, and it takes relationship with your children and knowing what they're up to. And, and listen, don't let entertainment raise your children for you. You know, because it's easy to let your kids sit there. Our kids, grandkids, and you know, watch the, the video stuff like that. But that's not the basis of our parenting or grandparenting. Number three is the friend gate. You have to monitor who their friends are. The, their friends are their future. First Corinthians fifteen thirty three. Do not be deceived. Bad company or evil company corrupts good habits. If you don't believe that your friends, the, a bad friend can corrupt your child, you're deceived. What are the beliefs of the parents of your children's friends? One of, one of the neighbor boys in our neighborhood, his parents were not believers and we tried to bring him into our home and influence him in our home and because of his home life, his, his family life, we would let Brent play with him only in our home. Okay. So one day he came to me and, and he said, my friend's dad wants to take us to the movies. And the friend's dad called me 
And he called and I said, well, what movie are you gonna take him to? And he said, well, we're gonna have a great time. We'll be very careful. We're gonna take him to this movie. That father took our son to an R-rated movie when he was 12 years old. That was their value system. And it so unbelievably violated me. And so as a good boy, we liked the boy, and we felt safe with him in our home to some degree. But when, as soon as his parents got control, they took our children, they took Brent to see something we would have never allowed. He came home and said, Dad, I, I saw a bad movie, and I want you to know I saw a bad movie. So who are, your, who are your children's friends, and what do their parents believe? Do you have a relationship with the parents? Do the, does the child have a smartphone? And do, is the child able then to corrupt your child through that smartphone? All those things are very important things to look at when you're looking at friends. Number four is the attitude gate. And attitude is the seedbed of behavior. If you only discipline behavior, you're showing up late to the party. Because long before a child acts out, they have bad attitudes. When a child rolls their eyes at you, they get disciplined for that. When they talk back to you, they get disciplined for that. When you tell them to do something, they go. <sighs> we, let me tell you something about parenting. Don't just punish, reward. Reward good attitudes. Reward good character. Say to your children, listen, you get along with your sister, you get along with your brother, you keep your room clean, you do your homework. Friday night, we're gonna go to the pizza, we're gonna go to a movie, we're gonna go ride go-karts, we're gonna do this, we're gonna do that. We're gonna have a special night if you have a good week. So I'm not just gonna punish you, I'm gonna reward you. But let me say this too. I will punish you as much for rolling your eyes at me as I will for you know, hitting your sister. I'm not gonna wait until you act out. I'm watching your attitudes. The, listen, God disciplines attitudes. And God rewards attitudes. James chapter four says this. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Those are attitudes. Pride is an attitude, and humility is an attitude. Long before we act out, God says, I just don't like your attitude. You're prideful, you're arrogant, you don't think you need me, you don't treat other people well, and I'm gonna resist you for that. I love you, but I'm, I'm gonna resist that. I'm not gonna bless that. And then he comes and says, you're a humble person. You're a, you're a loving person, you're, you, know, you know you need me, you're gracious with other people, and I'm gonna reward that. And we need to monitor the attitudes of our children and never, not being legalistic, always in a relational context, we must demand of our children that they have good attitudes, that they respect us, that they respect the family and the other members of the family. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a job. I mean, you know, there's, children aren't perfect and we have to raise them up patiently. But attitudes is a big deal. Number five is the education gate. Parents are responsible for educating their children. It's, it's, number one, beyond the school, beyond anybody else, it's our responsibility. And that means you're involved in your children's education. You know where they're being educated. You know who's educating them, and you're staying up with it. Now, I'm going to have shown you how to watch the gates of your life. And I'm going to have produced a responsible gatekeeper, and you're going to live the rest of your life safely from the power of the devil and every desire he has over you. Safety is our birthright. Aren't you thankful we have such a great daddy in heaven? that he obsesses over our safety. But there's a responsibility that we have in this, to watch the gates of our life, to watch the gates of our home. Hey, we're Dave and Ashley Willis with Marriage Today, and we're continuing the conversation on having the kind of family that God wants us to have, a God-built family, and specifically today on having a safe family. What does it mean to have safety in your home? What does it mean for your home to be a safe refuge for everyone who lives there 
and know that they're loved and to know that they're secure and know that they're safe and to be a gatekeeper, making sure the wrong things stay out and the right things stay in. So, sweetie, how can we have that kind of home? Well, I think first and foremost, we have to remember that we have the power to control our emotions because I think sometimes things like anger can come in and they can totally just destroy our family. It can take change a good tone. You know, you can be having a good day and that can just change it into a really bad day. And anger really shuts down conversations too between a husband and wife and between a parent and a child. And so we really have to rein in our emotions. And if we're having a day where we're just feeling angry and we're frustrated, we need to take a time out for ourselves. You know, we give our kids this sometimes, but sometimes parents need a time out. Oh, yeah. And we need to go in the other room, we need to pray, we need to blow off steam and just kind of let ourselves calm down enough so that we're not gonna make our family feel like we don't love them because that's really what it does. It makes them feel like we don't love them. And it also is not a really good model of Christ because Christ, you know, he always would talk to people in a loving way, in a respectful way. And in the same way, we wanna do that too. No, that's so true. And we all feel anger. Anger itself actually is not a sin. The Bible says right. in Ephesians, in your anger, do not sin. Exactly. Anger is gonna happen sometimes because we're human beings. And while it's not a sin though, it, it can very quickly lead us into sin based yes. on what we do when we're angry. We tend to make very poor choices when we're angry. So Ashley gave some great wisdom here about just stepping aside, giving yourself a moment to cool off. Uh, and if you blow it, it, like I've done countless times, all right? I've snapped at the kids, I've yelled, I've like lost it over, you know, whatever silly thing. But go back afterwards and apologize. Let your kids see you apologize for things. I think one of the ways to create safety and security in your home is to model the kind of behavior you're trying to get them to, to, to do, and then when you blow it, to admit it, admit fault. You know, your authority doesn't come from perfection, but a lot of it comes from authenticity. Your kids know you're not perfect, so you don't need to pretend that you are. You don't need to never apologize or admit fault but you're gonna gain so much more credibility with them, especially in the long term of your relationship by saying, you know what, daddy was wrong. I, sh- I, I, I may have believed what I, what I said, my position wasn't wrong, but my disposition was wrong. The attitude I had when I told it to you or when I yelled at you, that was inappropriate. And, and please forgive me, I'm gonna try to do better next time. And that can create some really, really strong bonds of trust and security yes. in the family. You know, it's so true because there's gonna be times when our kids blow it. And maybe even like Dave said, maybe their position is not wrong, but their disposition is wrong. And so as parents, when we model this, they're gonna have an easier time coming to us and telling us whatever it is they're feeling in a much more respectful way. But during those moments when they blow it, we need to let forgiveness flow. And when we do this, they're gonna come back time and time again. You know, in our homes, we want our kids to come to us with whatever it is they're facing. And the more we can approach them in a loving and a respectful way, and the more we can keep that line of communication open, the healthier our families are gonna be. That's so true. And another way to keep safety and security in your family, and kind of taking a different direction, but an important one, is that you do need consistent guidelines. Absolutely. You know, rules are important. Now, rules by themselves, Uh, aren't enough. I've heard Dr. James Dobson say rules without relationship leads to rebellion. You have to have the rules, but you have to have a relationship too. But you have to have consistency with it, to live it out. Say, in this house, kind of here are the ground rules. They're here to be guardrails, to protect us, to keep us heading in the right direction and to keep us from veering into oncoming traffic and hurting ourselves and others. But then be consistent and be clear. A lot of times when, when kids don't feel safe, it's because they don't know what's expected. They don't know what the standard is. And so I think we have to be clear on that. And we have to ultimately point back to the authority of God's word as our ultimate standard for everything. And that gives an enormous amount of security to every part of our life. 
So true, sweetie. Thank you guys so much for joining us. We would love to hear from you. So please join the conversation at marriagetoday.com. Have a great day. This is Brent Evans with Marriage Today. And I want to thank you for listening to the Marriage Today podcast. We believe your marriage has a 100% chance of success if you do it God's way. If you enjoyed today's teaching and want to keep learning, subscribe to the Marriage Today podcast and take some time to leave us a review. Your reviews help us spread the word and can encourage someone else in need. For more great marriage content, check out marriagetoday.com where you can see all of our marriage building resources, videos, articles, and live events.